Hey, everyone. Hi. Hello. Welcome to another episode of Alice. Hey, Greg, what are you doing here? Hey, what do you mean? What I, Allison, where do you, you come from, Greg? I came from the world of childish, and I just want to make sure that your listeners know that you're just as wonderful on the on the other podcast you do. What if they don't have kids? Don't need them. You don't need them. <laughs> A lot of our listeners actually tell us they don't have kids. We talk about sex. We and talk about all sorts and, of dirty stuff, yeah. but also parenting stuff. Yeah. So check out Childish new episodes every Wednesday wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, everyone. Hi. Hello. Welcome to another episode of Allison Rosen is your new best friend. I am very excited to bring in my guest today, uh, and I will bring her in in a moment. But first, I must catch up with producer, self-professed, self-proclaimed bad boy of podcasting, self-proclaimed, self-proclaimed, because he said that it was a self-proclaimed title last time we talked about it. So now he's self-proclaimed that it is proclaimed bad boy of podcasting. He's probably going to change his nickname soon because I am making it so uncomfortable. Tony Thaxton, how's it going? <laughs> Hello. It's going all right. I mean, it was it was said sarcastically, and now it's just really being run with. And... I mean, is anything really sarcastic when you think about it? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> fair. That's a fair point. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. Sorry. I know I'm supposed to say yes and. I had to know, <laughs> just know that one. I feel I've been getting a real no but energy from you lately. Do we need to discuss the time that I wait? I sat there waiting for a drop and you just left me hanging so that I didn't become too dependent on your predictability? You don't need to remind me. I'm, I'm well aware. And it, it could come back at any time. Oh, oh no. I, I love it, though. I love being on the edge of my seat just like this. Um, So our guest who we're going to bring in in a moment is someone who both of us are quite familiar with seeing on television from when we were young. Mm -hmm. And the weird thing is happening to me, Tony, which is, and I've been doing this podcast for years now. It's not like I've never been around a well-known person. Mm -hmm. However, I, in my head and once out loud to my, I keep wanting to refer to her as her character name. And it's mm -hmm. making me feel like a real, just newbie who doesn't understand the difference between... <laughs> what I see on the little screen and reality. And I don't think of my, like, I, hello, I'm sophisticated. I'm worldly. I've been Clearly. around. I've been there before. So why is my brain doing this to me? And, and by the way, this is not, I realize I'm raising the stakes. Now the listener is invested. They're like, ooh, is she going to put her foot in her mouth this way? And that is not <laughs> why I'm doing it. I really think I will get through the whole show without doing that. I'm just afraid that I'm going to. I think you got this because once once you introduce her, like once you introduce the guest, how often are you actually then saying their name again after that? Like more than you would think, because sometimes I will refer to them as their full name. And I remember Doug Benson, Doug Benson, I just said his full name, uh, but I needed to in this story, told me that he had a theory that only psychopaths do that. I was like, I don't know what you're talking oh, yeah. about, Doug Benson. Allison Rosen doesn't know what Doug Benson is talking about. I don't know. It's just because I think of them as their full name, except that I think of this guest as Stephanie. So we'll see. We'll see what's going to happen. 
Now, I wish but, you luck. Thank you very much. Now, because we are now on a streak of us having guests on the show, and then it turns out afterwards that you had a personal relationship. And I don't mean a romantic relationship, but I just mean you knew them ahead of time and you, you neglected to tell me. Do you and Jody Sweeten, that is her real name, do you know her? We have never met. I know her from, from my TV. I watched very much when I was a kid, but uh, right. yeah. Everyone watched TGIF. Oh, yeah. You had to. Okay. Everyone, please put your hands together for actor, author, director, mom, podcast host, and for one night only late night TV host, because she is doing a show called Your Late Night Tonight, where she's putting on her own late night show, and that'll be on the 19th. Please put your hands together for Jody Sweeten. Hey! Hello. Hello. Welcome to the show. Do people call you Stephanie? Um, they only make that mistake once. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, I'm totally kidding. Uh, I mean, every once in a while people will, but I think most of the time, like my friends and stuff, my friends usually didn't watch the show. So that was, yeah. Yeah. No, I feel like, like I said, I feel like a real idiot. I'm not the kind of person who normally <laughs> makes this kind of mistake. But I mean, it's not like I had, like I, I was this character for eight years when we were a kid and it's stuck in your mind as a kid. It was Stephanie. And then, you know, coming back to, to Fuller years yeah. later, it's not like I haven't been the character of Stephanie for quite a long time in people's minds. Well, that is very generous of you to make me feel better about my, my dumb mistake. Um, yeah, no, don't beat yourself up. <laughs> Not over that. There's big things. Yeah. There's other, let's, right, we'll get into that. Um, so I've had Bob Saget on the show a number of times, and he always speaks so, so highly of you. Oh, I love Bob. He, I, I adore him. He is just has the biggest heart. He's a really, really good guy. Yeah. It seems like you guys all have like a real familial relationship. Oh, absolutely. We're super close. Like we it's it's family. I mean, we've been in each other's lives now for 35 years. I mean, crazy. The, yeah, we're we're not getting rid of anybody. You know what I mean? At this point. <laughs> but I was listening to you on an episode of his show and you guys were talking about how you've stayed in touch this whole time, except for there was a period of time where you both kind of detached. And I was wondering, what was that period? I don't know. I think it might have been like. My mid 20s when I was just kind of doing my thing and like, you know, off being a, a an asshole as you are in your mid 20s. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, and I think I, I, like it wasn't like I ever lost contact to the point where I was like, oh, we could never talk again. It was like we just hadn't. Well, now we do pretty well at trying to get together for dinners and see each other. So every so often and, you know, of course, working together Um but I think there was just a period there where it was everyone was busy doing other things and it mm -hmm. just kind of, you know, six months turned into a year, turned into like two, three, and we hadn't gotten all together in a long time. So, yeah, it was nothing like bad. It was no, not like a falling out or anything. It was just that like sort of life gets busy. You get in your mid-20s and you're completely self-obsessed sort of. <laughs> right. Um, was there a period of time where you thought you were not going to return to acting? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, right before, um, Fuller House came back, you know, I, uh, had been working a normal job for the previous like six years. Um, I was a director of operations, uh, for, um, some different, uh, drug and alcohol treatment facilities in LA, uh, and was doing that and, you know, 
just chugging along, being a normal person, uh, and actually was pitching the show. You know, I would ask for time off of work to go pitch Fuller, um, and then everything completely changed again. So I never said I didn't want to do it anymore. I just was like, look, I got to find something else to do with my life that makes me happy. I can't keep just saying I'm an actor, but not auditioning and not really doing anything. You know, it's time to make a decision. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, so I did and and, uh, had kind of just decided I was going to be a a quote unquote civilian. (laughs) How was that? I loved it. I was really happy, you know. Um, I'm pretty easygoing and can kind of, I'm one of those bloom where you're planted kind of people. So I I, I loved it, actually. I met my boyfriend um, that I now am with. Um, He and I were friends years ago. I have met some of the closest friends uh, in my life from working in treatment. Um, So it was nice, you know. It was like normal people stuff. It was weird sometimes for, for clients who would be like, wait, are she that girl from Full House? And I was like, yeah. And they're like, why are you here? <laughs> and I was like, because I work here. And they were like, right, but why? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, no. Um, but yeah, I liked, uh, you know, normal life is nice too. They're, having some anonymity sometimes is nice. Mm-hmm. Um, you said something which I thought was so insightful. You said humans don't change anything until they're terribly uncomfortable. Which is something that um, a therapist I had years ago would say something very similar to that. And I was just and when I first heard it from her, I was like, oh, that's so wise. I wouldn't have put that together on my own. How did you come by that insight? Personal experience. (laughs) I mean, truly, I never I don't think I ever had a therapist or anybody say that. I just know from my own experience and the experience of others, the only time when we go to make radical change is when things are radically uncomfortable. You know, nobody, nobody decides that they want to go completely uproot their life and try something brand new when everything's going along just swimmingly. And they're like, no, I'm happy. You know, it's usually when you're like, oh my God, like you're faced with some pretty, I mean, for, in my experience, some pretty dire circumstances, you know, before people are like, okay, we've, uh, I guess we got to change something, you know, Mm -hmm. not until we lose relationships and lose jobs and things often do people get sober not until you know a relationship is absolutely falling apart do people decide to break up like we don't make these decisions until it sort of becomes untenable and we have to Mm -hmm. um so you wrote a memoir unsweetened what year did that come out 2009 2000 oh wow yeah i know you were due for a follow-up that's what everyone says. And I and I even say it, but I'm like, oh, man, another one. I don't know. I don't know if I, I don't know if I'm if I'm done with my stories yet. But at the same time, I'm like, well, maybe there's a round three. I don't know, um, because I have a lot of news stories to tell. And it, it might mm-hmm. be nice to get the news stories out there because, you know, I left off 2009 and I was kind of just getting myself together. And now it's been a while. You know, now it's been um you know, a long time. I mean, 12 years. So I I have new stories to tell about where I'm at now. Yeah. Um, do you mind talking a little bit about where you were then? No, not at all. So go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, yeah, it was, um, it was interesting. 2009 was definitely um, not my, when it came out in 2009, that was definitely not my worst year. Um, 
but you know, there, it, it was, uh, the time when I finally kind of felt ready to share my story and I'm glad I did. Um, but yeah, I think my story has definitely changed since then. Mm-hmm. So I was wondering, um, there's sort of a famous story <clears throat> in the book about you, uh, kind of going on, you had been up for days and then you give a speech at a university about sobriety, even though you're not sober. And in the middle of it, you start crying and, you know, you think the audience will probably think this is just you being overcome with emotion over the, you know, what you've been through. But really it was like this breaking point. But you talk about, um, at one point, you knew, even though you were so like you had been sober, you knew you weren't done with all of it. You weren't done with all with the the partying and the drugs and all that. And I was just that that moment specifically. I was just curious how like can you describe that what was going on then and how you knew you weren't done with it? I just knew I wasn't. Um, you know, I hadn't conceded to my innermost self mm-hmm. that. Every time I was going to attempt to like, you know, just have a glass of wine with dinner that like that wasn't my intention. I I never thought that was a good idea. I never understood why you would drink one glass of wine. And like until I really admitted that to like the deep down person inside, I was like, oh, yeah, no, I'm trying to fool myself. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I'm trying to tell myself that that's that somehow I have another intention other than just going and being an idiot. You know what I mean? And right. so was once I finally got to that point, I was like, oh, yeah, no, I don't want to do that anymore. Like, that sounds awful, you know, <laughs> and it just um, I was all of a sudden willing to do the changes that I, I needed to on myself in order to, you know, really, uh, again, be ready to make those radical changes that that I, I had to make to my life because I was mm-hmm. really uncomfortable. Yeah, I was thinking about my own, my own experiences of that where I would, because I went through a period, I I don't think it was as, definitely not as well known as yours by at all. uh, But and, and maybe not the same level of lows, but but my own version of like, this constellation of behavior that just made me hate myself, it was substances, it was, um, you know, it's, chasing after or not breaking off relationships with guys who I knew were bad for me. It was staying out late. It was like self-destruct, just all this stuff that I was just like, I'm having a lot of fun, but I also really can't stand who I am in the morning. Right. And I would say, oh, I'm not going to call him. I'm not, I'm done with this. I'm not that. I'm not doing this again. Yeah. And then all of a sudden two drinks in, I am texting this guy and I'm doing all these things. And, And I think it was, the voice that was saying, I'm not going to do that. I'm done with that was the one that knew that that was the right thing to do. Right. I just, I guess similarly, I just wasn't there yet. Like I wasn't done playing this game or whatever you want to call it. It, it. it, you know, it takes what it takes. And, and I, you know, people are done when they're done. And sometimes what one person's done looks like is not what another's looks like. So, you know, some people have to, learn harder and harder lessons um and you know and then of course you turn around and have kids and you go oh my god i've i've learned all the hard lessons please don't let them have to earn learn any hard lessons like let this all be easy um 
you know, yeah. then it becomes terrifying to watch your kids have to go through all that. Um, you're how old are your, you have two girls, 13 and 11. How is that? I have two boys. They're four and two. <sighs> oh boy. 13 and 11. <laughs> it's, um, it's a, it's an age, uh, uh, that is <laughs> difficult most of the time, but also has like these really cool moments where you're like, Oh, you're going to be kind of a cool adult. Like you see all of a sudden them getting like their more adult sense of humor or like their sarcasm or their just their personality of like who they are and who they're becoming. Mm -hmm. And that's so awesome to watch. Like I love watching my girls play sports or do theater or like really throw themselves into the things that they love and like hang out with their friends and like laugh and, you know, whatever, just grow up. Like I enjoy seeing that. But at the same time, like those ages also come with you know, all of the hell that is rumored uh, of the tween <laughs> middle school teenage years. And it's only just begun. And there's also supposed to be, well, I know this because I was a 13 year old girl and I had a mom, I have a mom. Um, the rivalry between the, the, the daughter and the mom, what is that like? Because I, so I thought I, I really um, expect, I was like blown away by the fact that I was having a boy. I was like, what? But I was uh, so a hundred percent sure it was going to be a girl. And I had, you know, our, our lives together planned out in my head. And one of the things people would say when they found out I was having a boy and that I seemed like not super of course, right now, I can't imagine having any children other than yeah. who mine are, but they'd be like, oh, but boys love their mom, love their mom. It's going to be so much easier. Da, da, da. So what is that like? Right. It, it is. There's definitely I mean, my 13 year old is five, nine. OK, she's about four <laughs> inches taller than I am. And she's been waiting for and she has been taller than me since about sixth grade. Now she's a, she's tall. She's gorgeous. She's 13 and she, you know, it, it just is constantly like checking her rank in the pack. You know what I mean? It's like <laughs> when you see like packs of wolves and there's like always like that teenage asshole wolf that's like right. kind of trying to like, you know, start shit with the adults. But then like eventually they just kind of give up because they're like, oh, I got really worked. You know what I mean? <laughs> but but they keep trying. They keep trying. And that's kind of where we're at is like. She tries to kind of come at me and be like, oh, I'm bigger than you. I'm like, look, look, buddy. I've got 26 years of experience on this earth before you. I'm going to be fine. <laughs> I'm going to be just fine. Um, but and, and, you know, my 11 year old is kind of just now getting into it. Like it happened the other day where we had an argument and all of a sudden I was like, oh, no, it's got you, too. Like it just was. <laughs> It was like the way she was like exasperated with me and was just like, you don't get it. You're like, uh, just so, oh my God, would you just go and get like leave? Just like go out of my room, you know? And you're like, oh, you, but oh, you were the good one. No, you know what I mean? Like, it, it, you're kind of like, oh man, it's, there's just only going to be more of this. Right. Did you always want to have kids? I did. I did. Um, and, uh, Boy, was I stupid. No, I have <laughs> I no, I love being a mom. I love my kids. Um, but you know, there's no like handbook of parenting. There is no you just every day I'm like, I really thought I knew how to handle this better, and I don't. So yeah. I, I always knew I wanted to have kids. I love being a mom. Um, 
but I, I definitely sometimes I'm like, I, this, I really wish I'd had a little more, um, I don't know. I don't know. Babysitting experience even like I would, you know, something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> had you done any babysitting? No, no, I didn't. Right. I've I mean, done babysitting. I mean, I was working on the show when I was about that age and then I was in high school and like in theater and doing, you know, still kind of working here and there. So it was like, I never really had to do babysitting. Uh, right. So it was, I mean, it was a big adjustment. I really, when I thought about it, I was like, I'd been around kids as a kid. I had been around a lot of kids. Right. That's what I was thinking. There were babies on set, but you were so young at the time. Yeah, but too. I was like seven or eight myself. So, um, yeah, it was, it was like all, and it's just a wild thing. I mean, you can relate when they, they hand you babies and go here and then you leave and that's it. Yeah. I just feel like, <laughs> I know someone should, I, is there a, is there a check? Should I do something? I need to register right. this baby. Uh, something I don't know, like the extended warranty. What do I do? Because no one's checking. I just yeah. I know the set for me. The second one was so much easier because at least the rhythm of sleep, eat. What's the? I feel like there's a third thing. Play t- a tiny bit. You know, just the rhythm of right, right, right of a baby. They move around like station to station. They go to the nap station, to the tummy time station, to the high chair station, to the napping station. (laughs) It's right. It's sort of like knowing a song. Like I kind of knew the structure of it with the second one. With the first one, it was like learning the entire. Yeah. For me, the adjustment to motherhood was um, some would say effortless. No, I'm just kidding. It was the opposite of that. It was it was hard. Yeah, it is hard. It's hard for everyone. And and I think. Well, you know, one of the things that I like to do on my on my podcast, um, never thought I'd say this, is my best friend Celia and I talk about the hard stuff, the stuff that like nobody prepares you for, the stuff that you're like, I don't, I, I have no idea how to handle this conversation, or that you know, yeah. and we talk about it, and we talked about you know becoming moms and being like, you know, when you first become a mom, you're kind of like, oh, got it, okay, uh. So this is it, right? Like this is just and now and until I die, you know, <laughs> and, and and it's terrifying because all of a sudden, like the weight and responsibility of mm-hmm. another person's life is on your shoulders constantly. Yes. And I had a constantly questioning yourself, you know, I'm doing a terrible uh, job. I'm not giving them enough attention. I left them in the, you know, high chair too long. I did that. Whatever. Yeah. I'm not reading them enough French before they're two. I don't know. Like stupid shit, you know, where you just like constantly think that you're not doing it right. And then, and there is no right. So nobody yeah. does. <laughs> Something I find myself struggling with now with my four-year-old is trying to figure out how much do I get involved um, and, like if he's struggling with something, what's my role? Do I just let him work it out? Yeah, that doesn't go away. I still do that I, with, particularly with my younger one. Mm-hmm. I said my older one is much more together, but I get it, man. Like trying to be like, do I help you unfrustrate right. yourself? Or like, do I just <laughs> let you get frustrated and kind of cry it out? Like what, you know. Which uh, which side of that do you tend to err on, would you say? I, I tend to err. Well, again, it depends on the kid. My older daughter, because she's always been fiercely independent and like from the time she was in preschool was like I don't need your help dressing me I've got my own fashion ideas <laughs> I don't need you I got this I always sort of 
figured she was just a little like she's got it. You know what I mean? Right. And and my younger one, I think because she's just smaller in stature and also she's the younger one and I, she milks the shit out of it. You know, <laughs> she is the baby all day long. Um, you know, I do more for her. Like we were building a gingerbread house the other day. Now she's in sixth grade. Okay. And we're building a gingerbread house and it's, she, she's wanting to build it and I'm taking over. And I'm like, no, 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 you're doing it wrong. Like, no, just here, let me do it. What? She's like, mom, you know, my boyfriend's standing there and he goes, babe, just walk away. Just let her build yeah. the gingerbread house. And I was like, okay, I'm going to sit here. And then it was like sitting next to her. I couldn't not touch it. Like I couldn't not say anything. And I'm like, oh my God, I've become my mother. And this is so obnoxious. Like just, I, I had to go and sit across the room on the couch and pretend yes. like it wasn't happening. Cause I, I do. I'm like, no, no, no. Let me just, oh, let me do this. And then I'm like, wow, I'm going to, I'm raising inept humans, you know, <laughs> and judging by the state of their room, I haven't done them any favors. <laughs> I get that so much. You know, at the, remember at the beginning of the pandemic, everyone was baking bread. So I thought this will be like a fun activity I can do with my then God, I guess he was like two at that point. Um, then two-year-old and I found the most frustrating thing to do is to cook anything with a two-year-old like I couldn't wait till he till Daniel my husband just distracted him so I could just like do it correctly right, yeah and, like, and the whole thing shells in there you want and but the thing is you I, gotta let them do it right otherwise they'll never know how to do it but you're like but they're gonna always do it wrong but I didn't and the thing is I didn't even want bread the whole thing was supposed to be a project for him yeah exactly. <laughs> be, oh same with the gingerbread house like it's always a project for them and then right. inevitably it goes wrong. <laughs> and that is your fault. You know, do how much do they know of your career and do they think you're cool because of it? No, they don't think I'm cool. They don't think <laughs> I'm cool at all. I'm mom. I'm so lame. Um, like so lame. I, I took my younger one to the mall the other day to go meet up with some of her friends. But she was like, you could just drop me off. I was like, you, you no, that's not happening. <laughs> Uh, I was like, I will go with you into the mall. I want to meet your friends and then I will find a chair to sit in, you know, outside of the store or whatever. And you guys can go shop and come check in with me. Whatever. Well, as we're walking up to meet her friends, which, by the way, I got strict instructions for. <laughs> OK, so when she comes up, I'm going to need you to like just not walk towards us. But like, I'm going to go say hi and like start talking to her. And then like, I'll just kind of turn around and be like, oh, yeah, and that's my mom. But like, don't really say too much. I was like. Are you serious right now? I was like, I'm gonna, I've, I've introduced myself to human beings for 39 years. I've got it. I'll figure it out. She was like, yeah, but then you're like going to say something. And I was like, yeah, like, hello. You know, that, that's really about it. I don't have much to talk about with the 11 year old. You know what I mean? Like, it's not I'm not going to overrun the conversation. And uh, and then I commented on something in a store window. I was like, oh, I like those shoes. I like, you know, mom, only like. <laughs> lame old ladies comment on stuff like that's such a mom thing to do is to say you like like things in the store window i was like what, what are you talking about i'm at the mall what the hell else am i supposed to do but walk by windows and be like oh that's some nice shit in the window you know what i mean like that's why i'm here she was like well can you just like not do it out loud that's a lame mom thing and i was like you know what? Just go go walk six feet ahead with your friends. I don't. It's fine. Just go there. I'm going to sit in a chair. You know? <laughs> yeah, I am not cool. My career is not cool. 
Um, they don't watch my show. They, I think really craft service was the only reason that they came on Friday nights to the show. <laughs> um, yeah, they're not impressed by it. I'm still mom. I yell at them. I make them do their homework and clean up their rooms and take away their phones. No, I'm not. I'm lame. lame. I can remember so viscerally that feeling of being just embarrassed by everything. I was embarrassed to have parents, like everything they did. My dad still does embarrassing shit. So I still feel that. But like, he, but my dad's also 86 and he's just, he's like, I'm doing what I'm doing. I'm old. <laughs> it doesn't matter now. Uh, but yeah. Oh, my parents used to say I, that my mom was like, you know, you act like you hatched, like you just, like, <laughs> like you just came from an egg and had no parents and just, you know, here you are. And I'm like, oh, you know, and she'd be like, you're walking 10 steps ahead of me. I was like, yeah, I know. You know, <laughs> it's like, of course I am. Like, I don't want to be seen with you, woman. You know, <laughs> it's just, just so embarrassed. Was one of your parents on set with you? Yeah, my mom was always with me. She drove so what, me back and forth every day and she was always on set with me. So my mom and I had a really close relationship through the years because we just spent hours of time in the car driving from Orange County to L.A. every day. <laughs> I'm from Orange County. Where in Orange County are you from? I know you went to Chapman. I went to Chapman and I, uh, I, my parents still live in uh, like Seal Beach, okay. Alamitos area. I went to LaSalle High School. Um, uh, but I lived in Cyprus for a little while and then we moved to, uh, to Los Alamitos in Seal Beach. Nice. I'm from a little further down South, Corona de Mar. And then I went away to college and then I came back and lived in Costa Mesa. Okay. Yeah. 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 Just like, uh, South Coast Plaza was, you know, a big place to go. On yes. The that was my, that like when you, you know, just went to malls. I mean, I guess my kids still go to malls though. So. This is this is uh, the next comment is a hyper local comment for just for our Orange County to L.A. listeners. But when I was growing up, my mom would always say L.A. is an hour and 15 minutes away because back then I feel like for us, that's how long it took. And now the same distance takes like an hour 40 because there's always traffic. Oh, the traffic has gotten so much worse. We used to drive. So I when I was doing the show, the producers actually let me go to regular school in the morning. So I went to public oh, wow. school. I went to elementary school. Um, we only worked four days a week. So Mondays, I went to school all day. And then Tuesdays and Wednesdays, I went to school until lunch and then came in. Um, my mom would pick me up, uh, you know, right around noon. And then I'd be on set about one o'clock for rehearsal and we'd work until like 530 or six and, you know, whatever. And then Thursdays and Fridays, I was schooled on set. But I did get to have like a foot in regular mm -hmm. life. And it was very regular life. Like I said, I, I always went to public schools. I, you know, it was just normal kid life. Um, and was that your choice or did your parents? Um, that? I wanted to do it. And my parents, um, I think there were a lot of reasons. Actually, one was traffic. <laughs> my mom, <laughs> hey, it, it does it make sense for her to just go to her regular school in the morning instead of me having to get her there by 8 a.m., we'd have to leave at 6, a you know, they, like yeah. so scheduling wise, they were like, oh, yeah, just that's fine. They couldn't work me that long. So the later they brought mm. me in, All right. the better. Um, but it would take us 45 minutes. We could go from, you know, Seal Beach, which is right next to Long Beach. Not it's barely Orange County, um, you know, 45 minutes up the 405 when we were shooting in Culver City. 
And then it was about 55 minutes mm-hmm. when we were shooting at Warner Brothers in Burbank. So, you know, it, it was but it was always right around an hour or less. And now I will go down to visit my parents driving from, you know, here in L.A. to Orange County. And it's a good hour and a half. Yeah, it's crazy. On a Sunday when I'm like, where are all of you people going and why? Right. Yeah. And Saturday is even it might be the worst day of the the week. Actually, I don't know. I haven't I haven't tried during the weekday, but I'm always stunned by like, what? It's Saturday. Why does it feel like rush hour all day? Oh, it's so bad. Yeah. Anyway. No, this sounds like that SNL California yeah, sketch. And then I took that 405 to the 105. <laughs> and then that, yeah. um, so what was that like ha- having like going to regular school and then also being on this show at the same time? Uh, How were you treated? Well, you know, it had it. It had its pluses and minus minuses. Um, I I did have like some just regular friends. So it was nice. I didn't I wasn't like sheltered from the real world and from the experience of other kids who weren't in this business. You know what I mean? I had, Mm -hmm. I I had a bit of a reality check, um, which I'm incredibly grateful for. But at the same time, you know, growing up on a show that most of your peers are watching uh, is sometimes a bit difficult. You know, kids get weird about it. They either get like super, ridiculously overexcited that you're in their class and like won't leave you alone or they won't leave you alone because they're just making fun of you or bullying you and you know and I remember I I used to you know kind of come back at kids they'd be like oh I saw you on this show I was like you watched it I just you know I just did it so I paid to do it so cool yeah and and I was (laughs) because I was like look if you're gonna make fun of me and you're gonna quote last week's episode you're just telling me that you watched the show Right. So why are you making fun of me? You know what I mean? Like it was it, it it was difficult at times, but I also really enjoyed the experience of just being a normal kid sometimes and like going to the school library that smelled a little weird, but you know, <laughs> like being excited to go listen to story time or whatever with the librarian or like, you know, just stuff that as a as a kid in this business you don't often get. Because you are Mm kind of isolated and you grow up in this uh, adult world of work. And, you know, the only other kids that you relate to are kids that are doing what you're doing. And so it it gives you this kind of warped sense of what real life is, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I was always really grateful. And I think it has made me a huge piece of who I am today as far as like just being really grounded and like really not into the scene type stuff. and I'm I'm just grateful for that because it yeah I realize like what real life is. <laughs> yeah, I mean I I think you you answered this a little bit, but I wanted to, to ask because you said that you're really thankful that like having you know real friends not in the industry get, gave you a reality check that you're thankful for. And I'm wondering without that reality check, what do you think might have? How would it have been different? Um, I think. I mean, you know, it's hard to say because at times having that that bit of reality and being, you know, quote unquote, normal kid, I wasn't entirely, you know, I did have this other weird life and this job and this notoriety. Um, So, you know, as much as I was having a normal experience, I wasn't just a kid blending in in the class. 
Right. So that gave that causes some upheaval of feeling like kind of isolated because you're like nobody else that I know here really gets this, mm-hmm. you know. But at the same time, like it, I also I know that had I just sort of been wrapped up in the bubble of set life and set school and not being around peers my age and all of that, I think it would have. I wouldn't have had some of the normal experiences, the sleepovers and the, you know, like just normal stuff. Even the, even the catty, you know, bullshit of middle school girls, like you got to experience it, right? Like you kind of have to deal with it and be like, and eventually then you have kids of your own and you go, Oh, guess what? I survived it. You know, I don't know what I would have done if I hadn't had that experience Mm -hmm. um yeah it just would have it would have felt like i never like somehow i missed out on real life you know and did um candace and the olsons were they not doing regular school and and if not like how did did that affect how you guys all got on 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 the set um we all i mean we had different teachers because we were all you know at first i mean ashley mary kate really didn't start school until the last like two seasons of the show. So they just had a nanny. So they weren't in with me. Um, and then Candace was schooled. She had a private tutor on set, but she was in like fifth grade when we started. So she was always in a different um, classroom because she had like, once she got to middle school, we, we had the same teacher for the first couple seasons, me and Candace and Andrea, but then once they got to middle school, I was still in elementary. So they had a different teacher that focused on different subjects and, and than I did. So, mm-hmm. you know, it was it was a little bit different. But we and we all had some experiences at normal school, you know, on hiatus weeks or on Mondays and stuff like we all had a little bit of experience of it. But um, I think I was the most regular in my like normal school attendance. Right. Let's take a quick break. And then uh, when we come back, I want to talk to you about directing. Pack your bags for the trip of a lifetime in The Real Housewives Ultimate Girls Trip, streaming only on Peacock. This new original exclusive is The Real Housewives crossover that fans and Tony have been asking for. Finally, you can see seven iconic housewives from four different cities together in one place, including Cynthia Bailey and Kenya Moore from Atlanta, Kyle Richards from Beverly Hills, Teresa Giudice and Melissa Gorgia from New Jersey, and Ramona Singer and Luann DeLesseps from New York City. I I think I butchered her last name, even though I'm a real Countess Luann fan with a crew like that. What could possibly go wrong? As any real housewives fan knows, the girls trips are legendary. Watch these housewives enter into uncharted territory as they vacation poolside in their stunning Turks and Caicos villa. This trip will not disappoint. See this exclusive crossover event now and watch new episodes every Thursday. Plus, stream more of your reality favorites on Peacock, including all past seasons of The Real Housewives, hit movies and shows, exclusive originals, live sports, news, and more. Go to PeacockTV.com to sign up. Again, that's PeacockTV.com to sign up. Speaking of fun, I want to tell you guys about Switchcraft. Switchcraft is a uh, 
a, a it's like a novel new take on the match three game. Uh, I, I was playing it on my phone. I'm super duper into it. It's got a compelling TV worthy storyline that is keeping me on the edge of my seat. And then it also has um, it has like periodic match three games. Uh, but they're woven into the story. It's really creative. Match three games can be a lot of fun, but it seems like most of them are the same. The themes and characters change, but overall it's the same boring format until now. Switchcraft is a brand new take on match three games. As you play, you unlock pieces of a beautiful, magical, and gripping graphic novel about witches, you guys. Switchcraft is a mobile game with a unique blend of TV-worthy writing, choose-your-own-adventure-style narrative, and thousands of match three levels. Uh, In Switchcraft, you take on the role of a witch at Pendle Hill, the world's top academy of witchcraft. Tony, you graduated from there, didn't you? I do. I don't talk about it often, but I did. Yeah. Is that with honors? Wow. Now you're not talking about it. Is that something? Is it like the first rule at Pendle Hill is you don't talk about graduating with honors from Pendle Hill? Well, even if it were, I wouldn't be able to tell you that. I hate how how much honor you have along the way. You'll find unique characters, a gripping story, and even a little romance. The best part is that your choices in the game determine the outcome of the story. So you're in the driver's seat. Download Switchcraft for free and unlock the magical mystery. Again, download Switchcraft for free and unlock the magical mystery. Okay, we're back. So I know that you directed an episode of Fuller House. I did. Uh, What was that experience like? It was incredible. Um, I had wanted to direct for a long time and it had been something that I had really doubted myself about. Like I felt confident that I could do it. But then when I, it finally came, you know, the season that I was going to do it, I was like, Oh my God, maybe I can't do this. Um, and when I did, it was like, it was just kind of second nature. Like it just, I didn't realize how comfortable I would be in that position. I thought I would be, more rattled I thought and I was like you know what actually working in treatment working having a normal job as a director of operations and having to have a staff of you know 75 or 100 people under me Mm -hmm. and you know and deal with all manner of (laughs) of crazy fires to put out and you know all sorts of stuff it kind of I, I some of those skills that I really developed in that arena also came into play you know and um I, I was like, oh, wow, I don't know if I would have been at, as good at this had I not had like, a you know, maybe a normal experience right. of it or just not as confident. But the directing was I mean, I, I loved it. I had so much fun with it. I had such a great crew. I mean, the crew on on Fuller House was so wonderful. They you know, we, we just we worked together all so well um, and everyone was genuinely excited and happy for me. So. You know, it was a it was a really awesome experience to get to have um, to direct your first episode, but to direct it with people that are like your family and who are so excited and a crew that just absolutely supports you. I mean, they did all they had a whole wild thing where everybody signed the this director's chair, which is actually sitting in my office um, with Mr. Bear in it. Um <laughs> I, we, that. I just picked up my computer and I knocked. It. <laughs> uh, but I, um, everybody 
had signed my director's chair and they lowered it down from the sea, like from the rafters in the kitchen. Oh my God. This big ceremony that was a total surprise to me. And they were all just so happy. And like, you know, it was, I I felt so good about it. And, uh, and I walked away from it. I was like, yeah, I definitely want to do this more. And that was the plan. And then 2020 hit and then, (laughs) and then womp womp. Yeah. So, um, you know, so that was put on hold for a little while, but I'm definitely going to start getting back into it. Um, uh, cause I, it's something that I want to do that I think I'm really, actually really, really good at. And, and I, I enjoy it, you know? What are the skill, like if you were to put it into words, what are the skills that are required to be a good director? Um, you have got to be a people person. Mm. Like you have to have great interpersonal skills, um, which is interesting because you hear horror stories about directors that have none and that are right. terrible. Um, and, you know, look, they they do mess some masterful work and whatever. I am a, a, a person that thinks if you want to have a career and really enjoy your career, um, you have to be able to to talk to your actors a certain way, to each actor a certain way. Every person is, you know, it's got to, you've got to have communication with your crew. You've got to, you know, your crew has to know that you you give a shit about them and that you're working with them and that they're not working for you, but that you're all Mm -hmm. working on creating this together. Um, And also just a sense of rhythm. For for sitcom in particular, um, it's interesting. We had had a couple directors that came in because they would rotate out directors for Netflix shows. And we had a couple directors that came in that came from like either single cam world where it wasn't like a multi-cam sitcom where you've got, you know, three or four cameras um, or more dramatic stuff or, you know, something different that wasn't sitcom. And you could feel it in their directing style because sitcom has a very, you know, it's got a clip to it. There's a, you know, mm-hmm. line, line, joke, line, 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 joke. Like, you know, it's, there's an up and down to it and it's fast paced and it's all that. And, you know, if you get a director that, that can't see what that rhythm is, you know, and there's a lot of movement in sitcom more so than other shows. So you're mm-hmm. constantly wanting to cross people and move people so that there's, ex- you know, movement happening on, on, on screen and like, you know, you get single cam people and they're like, everyone's just going to stand there or sit there. And you're like, that doesn't play as well in a sitcom. So, you know, it's really knowing kind of the the genre that you're working in and finding that rhythm and and being able to work with people in order to bring the best out in them. Was that frustrating working with directors when you felt like, uh, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it sounds as if you understood the format better than they did. No, it, you know, and look, here's the thing that it, it it was more so that and it's also hard when you switch directors and you get somebody for like a week and you're like, oh, you know, I like so and so better because we've done six weeks together. Um, yeah. But. It's, you know, I, and the thing is, that's nice sort of about being an adult now in this business and on the show was that, you know, we had input. So it was like if we felt like something just wasn't working, we'd be like, hey, you know what, let's try this. And we were trusted enough as sitcom actors to know what would work and i mean we could it was funny because we would like all fall into a scene and 
just run it through on set. And we'd kind of almost block ourselves sometimes because it was like you just sort of knew you knew where you had to be for your shots. You knew where you had to play certain beats like. You knew you had to move or make a cross or go around the counter or whatever. Um, and uh, it just became like second nature a little bit. Um, but, it, you know, we had some great directors and, you know, sometimes there's directors that you're like, oh, this is just this is just not working. And, you know, and I'll be honest, I don't think I've ever had a director that I've greatly disliked. Just ones that I was like, all right, this is not, you're not, yeah, maybe this isn't for you. <laughs> um, and that was actually something I was going to ask when you were saying, like, you hear of directors with bad people skills. Um, I was, I was wondering, have you ever <clears throat> dealt with a director who's been real, like on any, not necessarily Full House or Fuller House, but like across the across the board, someone who was real tough to be around? No, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty easygoing person and, and I am pretty good at disarming people and kind of, you know, figuring out how to best communicate with them. I rarely do. I rarely, is there someone on set that like, I just don't get along with. Um, Cause I, it's just, just that my nature is I'm like, let's just like have fun. We all got to be here. We're all doing work. We're doing incredible fun work that like people would love to do. And we, you know, we, we get to do this for fun and for a living. Like this is awesome. So I just kind of go with the flow and try to have fun wherever I'm at. But I do know that, you know, I've talked to people who've worked on, on certain productions and, and I hear horror stories and I'm like, yeah, that's, that's not me. Nor has it, like I said, nor has it really happened around me. I think just because mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm not going to get, you know, bogged down with somebody else's bad attitude. Right. Um, okay, let's take another quick break. And then when we come back, we have questions from listeners. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. We talk about BetterHelp a lot on this show, and this month we are discussing some of the stigmas around mental health. For example, some people think they should wait until things are unbearable to go to therapy, but that isn't true. Therapy is a tool to utilize before things get worse, and it can help you avoid those lows. Uh, and also many people think therapy is for so-called crazy people. <laughs> okay. Look, I'm laughing because we joke on this show. We have a drop of me going, I'm crazy. Um, and also like, I am a huge fan of therapy. Therapy has helped me personally so much. Uh, but anyway, there, there is a point like, so, like I am in a world where a, so many people I know avail themselves of therapy have benefited from therapy and are open to therapy, but I do know that there still is a stigma in certain places, in certain places. Um, and I would like to destigmatize it because I, I personally feel that everyone who's open to it can benefit from therapy. Therapy doesn't mean something's wrong with you. It means that you recognize that all humans have emotions and we need to learn to control them, not avoid them. I would say learn to, uh, learn to, to regulate them. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Two of my friends are doing BetterHelp right now, and they love their therapist. Give it a try and see why over 2 million people have used BetterHelp online therapy. And you guys, Allison Rosen listeners, get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash bestfriend. That's BetterHelp, better H-E-L-P dot com slash 
best friend. And then I also want to tell you guys about Embark Vet. The Embark Breed and Health Kit is the best gift for your dog or your friend or family member who has a dog this holiday season. Um, so the Embark Breed and Health Kit is one of, if not the most comprehensive dog DNA test on the market right now. It's just a cheek swab. It's very easy to do. We did it with Wendy. Um, you know, a lot of people who, if you have a mixed breed dog, it's fun because you find out in so much detail all the breeds that make up your pet. With Wendy, that's our dog. We knew she's a Cavalier King Charles Spaniel, so there was no surprise there. But there's also all this information you can get about um, diseases that she might be a carrier for. And just like a, t- there's just the story that the, a dog's DNA tells. There's just a lot of, it's, it's, it's interesting and it's fascinating. And the, the level to which you can find out things about your dog. And then also one of my favorite aspects of Embark is that you can be matched with dogs who are relatives of your dog. So, um, for example, Paddington, Violet, Nina. These are some dogs that are related to Wendy that I have found via Embark. It's pretty fun. This holiday season, understand your dog better with Embark, the highest rated dog DNA test. Right now, Embark has a limited time offer on their breed and health kit and purebred kit for our listeners. Go to EmbarkVet.com to get free shipping and save $64 off with promo code best friend. Visit EmbarkVet.com and use promo code best friend to save $64 and get the perfect gift for a happy, healthy holiday. You guys, that is the lowest price of the season. It is you. It does not go lower. Sixty. The sixty-four dollar discount is the lowest price of the season. Visit embarkvet.com and use promo code best friend to save sixty-four dollars and get the perfect gift for a happy, healthy holiday. All right, we are back. So um, we have some questions that listeners sent in on Patreon and on Twitter. <laughs> Did I just say I'm Twitter? I think I said I am Twitter um, and on Twitter, uh, but I'm on Patreon, patreon.com slash Allison Rosen, uh, all sorts of bonuses, bonus content and rewards and things like that. Um, you can get bonus episodes of the friend zone. You can get videos of the Thursday show. You There's a level where you can text me and I'll text you back. You can submit questions for the guests that get put to the in the very front uh, of the line of questions, you can submit carbohydrates, and I will call you them on the Thursday show. I realize to anyone who hasn't heard the Thursday version of the show, that's my group show. They don't know what I'm talking about, but um, but still, uh, and uh, oh, and if you subscribe for a year, you get two months free, so twelve months for the price of ten. Okay, let's ask some questions. When we ask, they send them in. They're wondering how you have been. So thanks so much for answering these questions from our fans. Okay. Whitney C. says, if she were a beverage, what would she be? Whitney C.? Whitney C. would like to know this. Um, I feel like Grape Fanta is what I, what I feel from a Whitney Great fan. No, no. If you if you were a beverage, oh, what would I you was. Be? Oh, I was like, this is very strange. I don't know. <laughs> feels like a great Fanta to me. No, if I <laughs> got it. Um, I would be. Oh, what would I be? If I were a soda, oh, I would be. Uh, I'd be root beer. I love root beer. 
It's what's your favorite kind of root beer? Uh, I like root beer that comes in a glass bottle because I feel like the metal cans just don't now it doesn't capture the flavor correctly. But yeah. IBC is good or there's um oh, what's the one? There's like a picture of a guy's face on the front of it. Uh, oh, I think I know what you mean. Barks. Barks. Nah. Yeah. No, Barks, Barks is the one that's that's also in a can, which is good. But I think it's something else. But anyway, I like I, I'm going to go with root beer. I would be. OK, I like that. Courtney Hoffbauer says, uh, what is the experience like revisiting a character you played as a child now as an adult? Did you approach it in a different way? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely approached it in a different way. You know, Steph had some layers going on to her. She had, you know, she lived some life and you don't very often get to come back and play a character that you played as a kid and then fill in all the blanks in between. So, um, you know, and, and, and for me, Steph had a lot of backstory going on why she kind of left and toured the world and why she was avoiding responsibility. And, you know, I I don't think that that was necessarily things that I brought to the table with me as a kid, you know, as a kid, it was like, we have fun and, I know how Stephanie relates to these other characters, but you know, the internal life of Stephanie was, was a lot different getting to come back. Right. Did you, have you taken a lot of formal, like, are you, have you done formal acting training? Yeah. I mean, I have, it's, I have not in the last couple of years, but um, because I was working and, and very grateful to be busy. Um, But I, yeah, I have, I mean, I, I went to, um, you know, I did high school and college and, my early twenties, um, did a lot of Meisner technique and stuff like that. You know, mm. I loved acting class. It's, it's such a great, I mean, I actually always toss around the idea. I'm like, I should go back to class, but I know right now is kind of hard to find in-person acting classes. <laughs> right. Right. I do wonder what that's like. Cause I know that there are, there are acting classes happening over zoom. Yeah. I have a friend that's been doing it and I'm like, I hate zoom. Like I don't even <laughs> like to zoom my friends and like have a conversation Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just I hate it. Like I, I was not the person that was on Zoom all the time in the pandemic. I was like, don't talk to me. This is an excuse. <laughs> and they said that like doing Zoom acting classes over, you know, the computer, it just is it's it's different. It's distant. It's you're too busy looking at yourself and not your, the other person. And, they're, you know, totally. I don't think I could do it. Um. Yeah, Tony and I talk all the time about how doing a podcast over Zoom is not the same. Although I feel like I feel like we are accepting it and like I, I feel like there's been a number of good episodes. This one being the best of them all. I'm but it is not the same. Uh, obviously. No. <laughs> <laughs> I my my uh podcast partner and I did um we did like a year of them out of our closets. Uh and we just started this season. We finally did went back to in-person stuff. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, you're like, look, this is just the new world we live in though. No, right. Like zoom is the normal thing. And everyone's like, oh yeah, totally. I I get it. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I keep thinking like, when am I going to stop doing zoom? And I I can't figure it out, but here's what I have to say about that. Right now, the numbers in LA are so low. And if it all of a sudden gets bad again, which I hope it won't, but if it does, I'm going to be kicking myself that I didn't take advantage of this lull right now. Because my kids are are unvaccinated because they're so right. Little, I so. know my younger one. My younger one just got her first shot this weekend, so she's got nice. one more left, and I got to get a booster. But yeah, 
Um, okay, Wendy Curtis says, I'd love to hear about her experiences with making Hallmark movies. Oh, you know, Hallmark movies. Um, I mean, they, first of all, you have like 13 days to shoot a Hallmark movie. You shoot oh, wow. an entire movie in like 13 days. You're, they're usually crazy work weeks, um, you know, long hours, um, lots of bows. Uh, lots of red and green and holiday decor more than you've ever realized that any human being. <laughs> um, and, but I, you know, they're great. You know exactly what, what the audience wants to see, what Hallmark wants to see. And I was actually just reading a, um, an article, uh, I think it was in the LA Times with Ron Oliver, who has directed a ton of Hallmark movies. Um, and you know, once you're in that family, like it's so nice because you work with a lot of the same people again and you see this, but he was talking about it too. He's like, look, Hallmark is, it's not too angry. It's not too sad. It's not too, this is not, you know, it's a very like, you have a, a pretty small little lane to stay in. So it's, it's fun. You meet some great people and you know that you're creating content that people are going to like, Oh my God, I love this. You know, because it's just, they're hungry for the exact formula that they're, that you're giving them. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like you don't have to worry that your audience is going to be like, this is lame. Like that. <laughs> they want cheesy. They want right. the couple to end up together. They don't want more than one kiss. They want that. You know, it's all these weird unwritten Hallmark rules. Um, but at the end of the day, I've had a great time and I, you know, I've shot a bunch up in Canada. So I've gotten to see, you know, Canada and, and, and up different parts of the country up there that I never would have seen. So it's been nice. Nice. Um, okay. This one is chat. I think this one is going to be challenging. Ooh. Julie bone says if she could describe her experience as a child actress in four words, what would they be? Time of my life. Look at that. <laughs> that, first of all, did not seem that challenging for you because you just like pulled. The, I mean, that was amazing. And I almost got chills. I think I did get chills. That was yeah, beautiful. It really was. I, I, I was a kid who needed to be busy and active. My brain works 9,000 miles an hour, which I. Yeah, you, you, you learned to read at two and a half or something crazy. Yeah, right? I, I started reading really early. I skipped a grade in school. <clears throat> I, um, you know, I was an only child, so I was always around adults. So I, I was more comfortable around older people. I just it, like, I loved it. I loved being busy. I loved traveling. I loved seeing, you know, meeting new people and seeing all different kinds of people. Um, it really opened my eyes to the diversity of the world in a much different way than I think I would have been exposed to, you know, probably living where I did. Um, so, you know, I, I just, I always look at it. I'm like, I grew up exactly how I needed to. That's great. Um, Alyssa Van Dyke says, what do you do to treat yourself? Well, parentheses, I hate using the phrase self-care, but that's what I mean. Um, I, my boyfriend and I love massages. <laughs> like if you, I, and I'm constantly like a, just a tight little ball of stress. <laughs> So I will go get like I will go to the Thai massage place by my house and go get an hour massage, you know, for whatever, like 60 bucks. And it's mm -hmm. the best thing ever. And that's, you know, I don't go all the time. I go maybe once every couple of weeks. Um, but that for me is like a big piece of self-care. 
Um, also working out as much as I am like lazy sometimes about it during the pandemic. The one thing I did was, um, get a trainer and work out over zoom at least twice a week. Uh, and then again, got a Peloton because I find that that for me is really necessary for my mental health. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I know like when I don't work out for like a week, I start feeling like really crazy. <laughs> How was the experience of doing training over Zoom? I loved it. I have a great trainer. And, and, you know, we had started working together again in person, too. Um, I actually am training with him tomorrow at nine. But uh, it's it was great over Zoom. You know, I could do it at home. I didn't have to travel anywhere. It was actually really nice. And now there are so many different platforms where you can do classes like that that I actually love it. Like. I do yoga at home. I do, you know, all kinds of stuff. Dance classes at home, like everything. Um, oh, right. You have like a dance background, right? Yeah, I do. So, you know, I, I definitely like um, movement. And I think as I, you know, I'm almost 40. Like as I've gotten older too, I've appreciated it much more where I'm like, yo, you can still like move around and do stuff. Like you should keep doing that because it's not going to get any better. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so your late night tonight, tell me about uh, how you got involved and your feeling about it and all that. Well, I have always wanted to host a show. I love I like hosting is something that I love doing. I love just getting to be myself and um, particularly particularly with uh, your late night show tonight. Um, you know, they really have tailored it to my voice. And I became involved with Gil and Ben and um, and all of the amazing writing staff. When I did my friend Ben Glebe, um, mm. I did his show. He and I uh, met through the internet uh, over over 2020 uh, and became friends. And I host um, social distance, social social happy hour, social club uh, oh. with them on Wednesdays. And he invited me to come and do Ben Glebe invited me to do his episode of your late night show tonight because they have rotating uh, comedian hosts every month. And I was like, yeah, sure. So I came on to do his, like just the, be his guest and do the interview. And we had such a good time. And like, we're just, we were being so ridiculous and, and, and so funny up there that the guys approached me at the end and were like, would you want to do your own? I was like, absolutely. So it's been great. I mean, I, we are writing sketches we, and and they have, you know, they basically had me write an entire page about like, who am I comedically? Like, what 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 makes me laugh? What do I love? What do I love to do? Who are my influences? You know, all that kind of stuff. What do I watch? Um, so, you know, we've been I, I did that. And last night was our third week uh, in the writer's room on Monday nights. And then we've just been working material back and forth uh, online and and getting ready for this. So I'm really excited. It's going to be November 19th at 7.30 p.m. at NowhereComedyClub.com. You can buy tickets. So it will be uh, streaming everywhere, uh, 7.30 Pacific time. So, um, yeah, people can watch it from, again, from the comfort of their own home in their sweatpants. Uh, nice. Watch the late night show. They, But s- some of them are in person, right? Or are they streaming some all of them? Some of them are. Well, we do, like, I'm going to have a small audience of just some friends. Oh, got it. But I see day to day, you know, anyway. Um, and uh, that way there's a little bit of a live audience there. But we're doing it in my friend's, uh, a friend of mine's studio. And um, and then we'll be streaming it from there. So it'll be a small audience of, you know, like 15 or 
20 friends, uh, maybe probably less than that. Um, and then streaming out, you know, all over the place. I have friends in Ireland that are watching and Scotland and yeah, they're like I'm getting up at 530 in the morning for this. <laughs> <laughs> Um, are you, are you nervous at all? Do you get nervous about um, stuff at all? I, you know, last night I got nervous because we were talking about stuff and I was like, yeah, yeah, you know, well, when we do the, you know, with the prompter here for the monologue, they were like, well, we don't usually do that. I was like, what? What? They don't have a prompter. <laughs> what? Uh, <laughs> I was like, that was my safety net. No. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, it's not like I can't memorize stuff, but it was, you know. But you're, I was yeah. I was like my my binky, you know what I mean? I was like, well, <laughs> if all goes wrong, that's there. Um, do they have like the big poster board with words on it? Yeah, or anything? They, yeah, they, look, it'll be something. And look, that's my <laughs> my job is to go perform this shit. You know what I mean? Right. So like, that's what I got to do. Uh, and it'll be fine. I just am like, don't murder the jokes because I have a tendency to do that sometimes in real life where I like start telling the joke and then I'm like, oh, but oh. <laughs> where was I? Yeah. I don't want to do that. So, um, yeah. But it's I, I'm so excited for it. And I'm excited, too, that people have been getting to see sort of a different side of me and who I am and, and a little bit more Jody and uh, not quite Steph. You know, I'm, I have a pretty dark sense of humor, uh, but, you know, I think I'm pretty funny. So I, it's nice for people to see that I can do more than just you know, um, have a hugging moment when <laughs> islands play softly in the background. <laughs> so nowherecomedyclub.com is where they should go, right? Yes, nowherecomedyclub.com. You can get your tickets. Again, uh, the show is November 19th at 7.30 yeah. p.m. Pacific time, and it will be streaming through Nowhere Comedy Club, uh, which is an online uh, comedy club that uh, the guys developed. But um, yeah. You can buy tickets anytime up till now. If you can, you can go to my Instagram page too, and you'll see it posted on there as well. And I'll link to it in the episode summary. Oh, great. Um, so let's do some just me or everyone. This is where people write in with things they think or do, and they wonder, is it just me or is it everyone? If you want to submit your own just me or everyone, tweet it to at A-R-I-Y-N-B-F. That stands for Allison Rosen, your best friend. Use the hashtag J-M-O-E, just me or everyone. Let's do it. Sometimes I ponder on something I have thought or done. Is it just me or everyone? Okay, Jody, do you have a just me or everyone? I do. And when I and I realized that as I've gotten older, I'm pretty sure this is a just me, but I want to <laughs> see if there's anybody else out there. Um I had this weird thing as a kid where I would try and blink at every streetlight that we drove past. Let me tell you, on the freeway, that is very difficult. <laughs> um, you're like trying to blink over and over again. Um, but I used to do that as a kid, and I, I don't know. I, I don't know if that's like a weird kid thing. You know how they like they do weird stuff like that. Yeah. Or like if that was just some sort of like precursor to my uh, anxiety disorder that I deal with, but you know, <laughs> um, I do also, I've done all sorts of weird things in my life. I've, I've never, I've never done that one. Okay. I've never done that one. Um, I have done, this is not the same, but it's adjacent in that it involves eyes. Like, if I'm working out and I haven't done this in a while and I also haven't worked out on a treadmill in a while, but I would be like running or walking on a treadmill and I'm like, what happens if I close my eyes? I want to see like how long oh I can my close God. my eyes. Yeah. But then I don't do it for very long. No, um, 
you've almost hurt shit. myself. That's uh, yeah. <laughs> almost gone flying off the back of a treadmill many times. Right. Tony, what about you? I do not do that. Uh, for, but for some reason, when you said it, it seemed vaguely familiar to me. Like, I feel like maybe I've heard of that before, but I can't. I'm sure it's not just you. Yeah. I do it sometimes, but when I'm driving. No, I'm just kidding. I was <laughs> <laughs> like, you okay. Hey, yeah, that's dangerous. No. <laughs> um, I think you could do it while you're driving, though, as long as you're not like keeping your eyes. Well, no, it's too. You it would be too close your eyes though. when you drive. But you could blink. You just can't you keep blink. it closed. That's blinking is different than closing your eyes and seeing how long. Oh, I see. You were saying you do that sometimes when oh, you're yeah, driving. No, I thought you were saying. Blinking. Oh, no, I was, I was joking and saying that I, I also close my eyes <laughs> yeah. sometimes and see if I can keep going yeah. straight, but I do it in a car. Got it. Yeah, because that's what I, I was saying was that I, I feel like I've heard of the blinking thing before. Yeah. I, I don't know for sure, but it seemed it seemed weirdly familiar to me. I okay. don't know. Yeah. Well, that makes me feel less weird that it's weirdly familiar. <laughs> I have a just mirror, everyone. I will. And maybe, Jody you will relate to this <clears throat> um, just based on, on your recovery experience, but I will think back to who I was in my twenties, like a specific chunk of my life. And I was so different than, than I am now. And I want to like send a mass email to all those people just apologizing for who I was then. <laughs> like when I think about different conflicts that came up, like I couldn't take, criticism. I was very defensive. I was um, just all these, mostly just in the way I related to people. Because now I pride myself on like, you know, my husband and I, if we have, we can have like really productive disagreements where we're, we hear each other's side and we both feel closer afterwards. And I was not capable of that at all then. And I also thought the way that I went through life was the right way. And I was so immature. Right. So yeah, I just that, want to mass email all of them, even though I feel like if I did that, they would probably be like, what? Like we all were like that. Then. Right. That's I mean, the, the, the great thing is, is that most of the things that you're to totally horrified about in your life, other people don't remember because they're so self-obsessed and thinking of their yeah. own horrors that like other people's are so like there's very few things that I'm like, oh, my God, remember when that person fell down or did this like that? <laughs> But I'll, I remember me falling down for sure because yes. I was so embarrassed. But like totally. nobody else remembers it. Yeah. Tony, do you get the urge to mass email people? Do you even feel like you're a super different person than you were when you were in your 20s? Or have you always been this guy? Uh, uh, no, <laughs> definitely very different. I, I think I, unfortunately, I'll, I'll have those thoughts. And I think in some ways, yes, like I'll see these improvements that I'm like, oh, yeah, I wasn't able to be like that when I was younger. But unfortunately, I think I focus on the bad stuff now that I think where I look back and I'm like, did I used to be like that? Like things. That oh, like you should send it now. And then like, because I don't know, I feel like I've I've gotten more just like I'm, I'm, I've always kind of been in my own head. Uh, but I feel like that's gotten way worse as I've gotten older. Mm. And I feel like I used to just be able to be a little more free and just have fun without overthinking it. And uh, right. Not so much these days. So you need to send a mass email to everyone now. Yes. In fact, <laughs> let me get going so I can get working on that. <laughs> can you imagine? That'd be such a weird bulk email to get. <laughs> I want to send out a blanket apology for my 20s. <clears throat> That's why I wrote a book, I, really. No. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. How did how did that go over with everyone around you? Uh, the book. You know what? Everyone was just grateful that I was okay and like glad that I could be honest and tell my story. You know, I think I was probably more like worried about how it would land than anything. But no, mm-hmm. it was fine. It's got. Um, I mean, I, I I'm so grateful that I still to this day hear from people who say they read it and it really helped them or just hearing someone talk about their problems in an honest way, like just made them realize, you know, it's okay that you, that something's wrong. And so, you know, none of this is any failure on my part. It's just part of life. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I'm, I, I was always really glad that I, that I did it. All right, let's do, Hey, go fuck yourself. Jody, is there anyone you have some words for? There is, there is, uh, the people that I have words for are the people that the day after Halloween, not even after, like Halloween is on clearance before we've even gotten there. Like, <laughs> I still might be like, hey, I need some Halloween decor. And no, that it's Christmas now. It's Christmas from now until the January 17th. And <laughs> those people like really, it's just it, 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 it feels aggressive in their celebrating Uh, I feel like Thanksgiving is overlooked. I feel like it's ignored. Um, You know, I I feel like it's, it's a, it's a little resentful at the other holidays. Uh, But like, I like my holidays in order. We do Mm. fall, Halloween, Thanksgiving, day after Thanksgiving, Christmas. It's my house looks like Christmas threw up, but I got to say, to the overly aggressive early Christmas decorators. Hey, 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 go fuck yourself. Nice. So I also, you, oh, I was going to okay. say, I also have to yeah. say the same. Hey, 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 go fuck yourself. To me, for being a really judgy bastard over people just trying to find a small bit of joy in decorating the house early. So <laughs> I, I actually got two people out of it. <laughs> See, the way I envision it, but this might just be, I might have had to just like arrive at this because of the early decorations. I feel like Thanksgiving and Christmas decoration wise are almost one, but you feel like Thanksgiving needs its own thing. What? (laughs) I'm sorry to offend you. I feel like Thanksgiving decor is Christmas decor. What is Thanksgiving decor? Thanksgiving decor is fall colors. It is, it is November. It is not. It is not winter yet. It is fall leaves and oranges mm. and yellows and reds. It is leaf peeping on the East Coast. It yeah. is. That's what it is. It is fall and it is ridiculously racist pilgrims. All, you know, it is so many things. Um, and then Christmas is just red and green and twinkle lights and everything. No, but I, I have a very distinct... I'm weird like that. Like, oh, here's another thing about me. I won't drink pumpkin spice. Uh, I will. I refuse to get an iced pumpkin spice latte. I maybe have had one one time. For me, pumpkin, anything pumpkin flavored has to wait until the weather is cool enough that I can get a hot drink and like be wearing a sweater when I drink it. I'm not even kidding I, you. I, I feel like that makes sense. That makes sense. But, and this I feel like is I going to... I don't want pumpkin spice in August. See, that 
that makes sense to me. However, I have a Christmas Starbucks mug and it just sits in my cabinet all year. Can you even stand it? That's okay. That's fine. You don't use it all year. Oh, no, I do. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what I'm going to do with you. I don't know. I'm so I'm so sorry. Do you? Oh, do you have Thanksgiving decorations that you're going to get out? They're already out. Thanksgiving is almost here. The day after Halloween, her. that's when you like you remove the Halloween stuff from, right. the fall, from the general fall decor. And then you put my boyfriend makes fun of me about this, by the way. And then you put the Thanksgiving stuff out, which, you know, is, has some more turkeys and things like that. Okay. And then after Thanksgiving, that weekend is when you clear all the, the fall out and and winter wonderland arrives. I mean, what I, I have hearing trees. I'm obnoxious. Like I have. A, oh, I have two little- trees too. <gasps> Yay! Okay, yeah. me too. Really? Yeah. So we guys, six trees between us. <laughs> We're so obnoxious. What I'm realizing is I am just missing out on Thanksgiving decor. Like I don't think yeah. we. You know what? My mother in law sent us a wreath of little pumpkins from like William Sonoma or something, and that. Yeah. Was very fall. I don't know where it is though. Dried leaves, um, you know, cornucopias. Um, yes, horn of plenties. Yes, horns of plenty. Tony, do you have Thanksgiving decor? No, not one. But I'm you know a- what though? It it came from my mother. I, my mom, my mom's house right now is Thanksgiving out. Like she she puts me to shame, really, with the amount of decor and stuff she has, which I know someday will all be mine. Uh, <laughs> but. <laughs> Yeah, like, I mean, my mom decorated for every holiday. But the reason that I do it, my boyfriend's like, this is ridiculous. And he's like, you're so like, you're such a, you know, anti-capitalist, like consumerism. That's bullshit. Like, I, you know, and I hate I don't do gifts at Christmas, really. I do them for my kids, but that's it. I don't want gifts. I hate getting gifts. I don't like giving gifts. I don't. It just feels excessive. Um, But like something about decorating for holidays I fucking love it. I love it. Like it just me too. It puts me in like the spirit. And I'm like, I yes, I own two Christmas trees. I think exchanging gifts is stupid, but two Christmas trees is not. So please get off my ass <laughs> and let me have my joy. <laughs> Jody, it was so nice getting to know you. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show. I am going to like, I'm going to end this. And when I do, I'm going to go on the hunt for Thanksgiving decor because it's what am I doing? Sold out. It's already sold. It's already unclear because yeah. it's because we're three weeks away from Thanksgiving. They've already cleared it out. I'm, I guarantee you go to Michael's, go to Joanne's. It's going to be all Christmas. You're going to see fall is in the rearview mirror already. It's a shame. All right. It's a shame. 2022. I'm going to do it up. There you go. Well, that's the thing. Go get it on clearance now. Right. Save the money. Then you get the decorations for next year. Yeah. Um, okay. So we, we told everyone, uh, to get their tickets at Nowhere Comedy Club. Also plug, plug your, yeah. uh, other stuff. Tell everyone where they can find you. Uh, you can find me across all platforms at Jody Sweeten and it's J O D I E. Um, and then you can also check out my podcast. Never thought I'd say this with my best friend, Celia Behar, where we take a really inappropriate, uh, look at parenting and mostly our parenting fails. Uh, <laughs> cause we have girls about the same age. And then also, uh, you can get tickets at Nowhere Comedy Club for your late night show tonight. Um, I also have a, uh, celebrity exorcism that was on, uh, Tubi which is Fox's streaming service that just came out, which was really fun because I love the supernatural stuff too. Um, and a few more shows coming out in the spring. So um, lots lots of stuff that I've been busy with to, to look forward to. Nice. 
Wonderful. Um, and if you like what you're hearing, please make sure you're subscribed or following or whatever it's called in your app of choice. Uh, so you get the automatic downloads of the episodes and uh, leave us if you like what you're hearing. Also, please leave even if you don't like what you're hearing, leave us a nice comment on Apple Podcasts. It helps out the show, helps people find the show, helps the algorithm. I think I don't even know. But I just that's again, I heard someone else say it and I was like, does it? OK, yes, sure. To any engagement does. All engagement. We like all engagement. All it, follow me yeah. on follow me on social media at Allison Rosen on Twitter and Instagram. Um, give my new podcast Upward Upworthy Weekly a listen, please. It's it's brand new and it comes out on Saturdays. Uh, I I co-host that with Todd Perry. Um, it's a lighthearted look at the news from the week prior news that was on Upworthy uh, dot com. I do. Like uh, I think you'll. What did you say? I do like Upworthy. Oh, check out Upworthy Weekly, please. Uh, and um, yeah. I already mentioned Patreon. Tony, what about you? Uh, Twitter and Instagram at Tony Thaxton. And my podcast, Bizarre Albums, every Tuesday. And I'm assuming this comes out on time since we were talking about her live stream on Friday. On the day before that, Thursday, going to be doing a live stream with Don't Stop or We'll Die again. Um, don't remember what time off the top of my head, but I just told you the social media stuff. So find the links and all that stuff there. So. Wonderful. Um, again, Jody, thank you so much. Listeners, thank you for listening. I love you. You matter. Goodbye. Hey, do you know about the Allison Rosen show? We had a good time, but now we gotta go. Yeah, Allison Rosen.